Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. I am Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this second installment in this series about the spirit and the power. Man, really that title, that title I started out with a title that would take up a whole page. This the spirit and the power, the immutable power, the inconceivable power, the superabundant power. I, I, I'm telling you, I don't know about you, but all of my Christian life, I have wanted to move and live in the power of God. And I'm not talking about something goofy. I'm not talking about where you run around in that crazy and call it the power of God. I'm talking about where you and me within me, I wanted to experience the power of God beyond my own capacity, beyond my own strength. And in ministering to other people, I wanted to minister to people beyond my own intelligence, my own logic, and like the Apostle Paul said that I read last week, I absolutely have never wanted anybody's faith to stand in my wisdom and my intellect and my knowledge and my strength or any of those capacities. I want people's faith to be rooted in the Word of God, the person of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the demonstration of the power of God uh, because we, we preach and teach that kind of thing. So today we're talking about welcome, Holy Spirit. Now, this is so. This is such a crucial message. So I, so I want you to be ready. I want you to be listening. Maybe even right now, you just need to say, you know, Father, open up my heart. I choose to have my heart open. I choose to grasp today what it is like to welcome the Holy Spirit into my life the way the apostles did, the way the early believers did. All right, now listen. This, again, is so incredibly crucial. I want to remind you of this, and I'm not trying to just uh, pick at a sore here, but I want to remind you, I talked about this in, in our last message, the Holy Spirit is not actually just a power. He's not just an energy or just a force that works on earth. Uh, I don't think it's blasphemous to, to hold that opinion but I think it's very, very limiting to hold that opinion. you got to remember, uh, in Genesis 1-1, this is in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And that word Elohim is not a dual, it's a plural, which means three or more in the, in the Hebrew language. And so as such, God is saying, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit actually were all involved in the creation of the heavens and the earth. And later on, they were all involved in the creation of man. But what becomes so interesting about this, if the, since all of the names of God are combined under the name Elohim, which is actually a, a singular plural, and that is a plural word, which means it involves three or more people, but they exist in one singular uh sense of entity. I don't think there's really any way to describe the Trinity. I don't think there's any way to, to make it make sense other than the fact that it's, that it's in the Word of God. And it's pretty easy for most people to make a, a 
uh, a distinguishing difference between the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father. Now, there are some people that don't. There are many uh, denominations, um, one is Pentecostal denominations and some other, uh, some other types of denominations that will try to over-literalize uh, what Jesus meant when he said he and the Father are one. When you see me, you've seen the Father. He was talking about what the writer of Hebrews was expressing in Hebrews 1.3, where he says that Jesus is the exact representation of God. If you want to see what God would look like, if you want to perceive God with your natural mind, with your natural eyes, if you, want to, if you want to understand everything that God would do here on planet Earth, then the only way you can do that is by looking at Jesus Christ himself. Look at his life, look at his ministry, look at his teaching. This does not mean that Jesus and the Father are one being. And uh, there's, some, there's some really strange doctrine that emerges out of that. And by the way, that is a primary doctrine of Gnosticism. So, so when we find ourselves heading down that path of depersonalizing the Holy Spirit and then maybe eventually depersonalizing either God the Father or Jesus or trying to make them into one entity, we move out, we disempower us as we move into a place of error that is, that is a grave destructive error and we, we don't want to move there. But I don't think that it means that you're in gross error just because you don't understand that the Holy Spirit is a personal entity. But since that word Elohim includes uh, all aspects, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that would mean that if, if I'm going to take one of those entities and I'm going to make them a non-personal energy, then I have to make all three of them a non-personal energy because all three of them abide in this in this oneness, in this harmony, in this likeness with one another. So that anytime, you know, if you look at Jesus, you see God the Father. If you, you know, if you listen to the Holy Spirit, you see Jesus. There, 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 is, there is a continuity there that happens through three personal entities. And I even want to go a little bit farther than that. Most of the words that talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit to the believer are words that involve communication, not just influence, not just an energetic influence, but communication. He, you know, he's going to teach you. Well, how's he going to teach you if there is no communication skills whatsoever? Uh, so, so he's going to lead you into truth. How's he going to help you understand truth if there is no communication? The Holy Spirit is an entity, a personal entity, just as much as Jesus is, just as much as God the Father is. And honestly, uh, the big point here is not, hey, you're just all wrong. The big point is, hey, you're just missing out on a lot that God has for you by not experiencing the Holy Spirit as a, as a personal entity. Now, I want you to understand something. The, the apostolic church, which uh, was born on the day of Pentecost, number one, you, you want to realize that there was no church apart from the Holy Spirit. Uh, apart from the Holy Spirit, we would really be no different than Israel in that we were believing God, believing who God is, and all those kinds of things, but uh, we would not be indwelt and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We would not have all the continuous 
ministry of the Holy Spirit that is available to every single believer. You know, we read about Moses, about these prophets of old, and we think, man, a lot, I wish what, I wish I had what they had. Well, the truth is, if we welcome the Holy Spirit into our life uh, the way that Jesus instructed us to, the real truth is what we would have, what we would experience would be far beyond anything that they have ever known, anything that they have ever seen, anything that they have ever experienced. They longed to have what we have. They longed to see what we see. They, you know, we look at, at, at how they blundered so many times, but they did not have the personal ministry of the Holy Spirit within them. So there was no church until uh, it was clear that Jesus had been raised from the dead and that the Holy Spirit had been poured poured out and received by the early believers. Not one person got born again under Jesus' ministry because nobody got born again until Jesus had been raised from the dead and the Holy Spirit had been poured out. So the very beginning of our walk with God is all about uh, experiencing this new birth where we get a new spirit and we get a new heart and we become indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And so you say, well, what does that mean, indwelt by the Holy Spirit? You know, I don't even know how to explain something like that. Uh, uh, there just aren't enough words that, that could explain it, but I can tell you this. This is where the Holy Spirit abides within us. Our spirit becomes indwelt with, our, with the Spirit of God. You know, our, our flesh keeps us in touch with this world. Our, our five senses keep us where we have a consciousness of the world around us. The, our spirit gives us a consciousness of God because the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in our spirit. Uh, and our soul gives us uh, really a self-consciousness of all of the emotions and all of the input that we're receiving, both from the physical body and from the spiritual being. And then ultimately, all that comes together in the true person that we are of the heart, because the heart is, is the fullness of everything that, that we actually are. And so the Holy Spirit came to indwell us in our spirit. And so our spirit is in constant, immediate, personal contact with God through the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us. Now, interestingly, God speaks into our heart. This is very, very important. So what we could hear and sense and recognize by our spirit, uh, the real truth is all of that is spoken into our heart and it is into our heart where that becomes personal, where that becomes a part of our identity, where, where that where, our, where that shapes our faith, our, our sense of our love, our, all of the factors of who we really are come together uh, in what the Bible calls the heart. So the Holy Spirit is always trying to impress us. You know, that's, that's that longing that you have, boy, particularly when you are a brand new believer. I mean, I you still have it. You'll have it all of your life unless you harden your heart against it. That's what the Bible means when it talks about hardening your heart because the Holy Spirit is always speaking from your spirit 
into your heart, but if you harden your heart, then you stop sensing and being receptive to the Holy Spirit. But that's, man, that's where you have that sense of, I need to make this decision. I need, this is where you get this sense of, no, you know what? I really don't need to go there. No, I don't need to trust this person. Yes, I do need to trust this person. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will work in us to lead us into every single thing that God has for us. Matter of fact, uh, we're we're, going to talk specifically about this. If we're going to welcome the Holy Spirit, we got to know who the Holy Spirit is. Now, I want you to remember that uh, Jesus told the apostles, he said, look, do not go into the ministry. Do not go out and start until uh, the Holy Spirit has been poured out. And so I want you, I want you to realize something. I, I thank God for great Bible schools, great Bible colleges, but no Bible education is a substitute for being fully yielded to the Holy Spirit. And uh, without the Holy Spirit working in our life, we are just having intellectual academic arguments with people and calling them sermons. But the real truth is they're not based on the Word of God, and they will never produce a demonstration of the Spirit and power. So when, when Jesus in John 20, verse, starting in verse 21, when he's ready to, when he's getting ready to depart and he's He's there ministering to the disciples personally, or the apostles personally. Uh, he, sa- he says, uh, peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now, I want you to understand, he's saying, with the same mission, the same purpose, the same message, and the same power, you are being sent out into the world with all of the aspects of power and authority, everything that God gave me, you have, and, and, uh, and it's, only, it's only coming into your being through the Holy Spirit. And so this is why he wants them to wait until the promise of the Holy Spirit being poured out was fulfilled, because he did not want them to go out and attempt uh, to do what he did apart from the power of the Holy Spirit working in their lives. And so it says in verse 22, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know. I have my own opinions about why he breathed on them. I'm not going to go into it. We know that breath represents the Spirit of God. We, we, we know that. Uh, but uh, there's probably a lot more to why he breathed on them. A lot of it had to do with them activating their faith and taking on something. But the key is here is he said, now receive the Holy Spirit. Now that word receive is not the passive word. In the Greek, there's a passive word for receiving something where it's sort of like somebody knocks at your door, you open the door, they walk in, you received him. But uh, this word for receive comes from the Greek word lambano, which means to take hold of something. It's more of an aggressive word to, by choice, deliberately take hold of the Holy Spirit and bring him unto yourselves. And, that's, and so that, that's what he's saying. He's, he breathed on and says, okay, now you take hold of the Holy Spirit. Well, how do you do that? Well, you do it, you do it by choice. You know, you, you do it by invitation. The Holy Spirit is not going to stop his way into your life any more than Jesus himself would force his way into your life. And so, so 
they were told to take hold of the Holy Spirit. So welcoming the Holy Spirit into our life is more than just saying, okay, I, I'm here if you want to do something. I'm, yeah, I'm here if you want to touch me in some way. But, but no, that's not what it's saying. It's saying take hold of the Holy Spirit. Now, to take hold of the Holy Spirit means you know what it is you're taking hold of. You know who it is you're taking hold of. You know what's going to come into your life as a result of taking hold of the Holy Spirit and bringing him Unto your into your own heart and into your own being. Now, one of the things that we need to realize is that the scripture uh, names meant something in the Bible. Names don't really mean anything now, but names meant something. Very seldom the names that people were given were prophetic and would tell you something about their life and how how their life was going to unfold. Uh, there's all kinds of things that could be grasped and understood. Uh, by knowing a person's names, you know, you know, the prayer organizer, we go through all, you know, the covenant names of God, and and basically it's like God tells you His names because each of those names represent aspects of His character and His nature, so that you can know how to trust Him, where to trust Him. You can know what to expect from Him based on His names. And of course, Jesus ultimately comes, and you know, one of His names is God with us. Jesus comes and shows us exactly what God the Father himself would do if he was right here walking planet Earth. But instead, Jesus was here walking planet Earth, but he wanted people to know, you know, these works I do, I, this is really, you know, I don't do this of myself. This is, this is what the Father would do. This is what the Father is doing. This is what the Father wants done. And so we realize by the names of God, we realize by many of the names of, of Jesus, exactly what we can expect from God. So the Holy Spirit has many names, and all of the names of the Holy Spirit are incredibly important. All the names of the Holy Spirit tell you something about his character and nature, because if you're going to take hold of the Holy Spirit, you've got to know what you're taking hold of. You've got to know what you are bringing unto yourself. So you, know, you can look at many of the names of the Holy Spirit. You can look at many of the functions of the Holy Spirit. For example, we know that the Holy Spirit is a teacher. We know that, we know that he will teach us. We know that he will guide us into truth. And, you know, interesting thing about truth is there, there is that which is true, and there is that which is truth. That which is true is always true, but it does not become truth for us. And this is the thing about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always wanting to uh, bring every aspect of who God is, every aspect of God's Word, every promise of God, into a manifestation uh, in your life. In other words, uh, the Holy Spirit does not necessarily has no interest in teaching you the doctrine of healing as much as the Holy Spirit uh, has come to bring you into the truth about healing experientially. So it's so that you actually experience healing and you go, oh, this is what it is. You experience peace that passes all and say, oh, this is, this is what this is. This is what this looks like. So the Holy Spirit is always working to bring forth uh, truth uh, in our life. Now, one of the things that, uh, uh, that is so interesting, John 14, 15, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. 
Now, I, I'm not, I don't have a lot of time to go into this. It's not talking about earning something from God. But this is talking about if you actually value God, you will keep the commandments. Now, you don't keep the commandments from a legalistic point. You're not trying to earn something from God. You're not trying to get God to do something for you that he doesn't want to do. If you are, in fact, earning, uh, 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 obeying the commandments, then really you're doing it from the perspective and the motive of love. And that's really the reason that the commandments were given, is to show us how to walk in love with one another. Now, if, if we impose our intentions on why the commandments were given, then we will totally lose touch with what God really was doing for us, what he was trying to bring into our lives. We will, we will lose touch with all of these values that uh, uh, make us corrupt the use of the commandments. But anyhow, it's all about love. So, but he says now, he says now, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth in the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So when he says, I, I'm going to pray for the father to give you another helper, that word another, there are different Greek words for another. That word another means another of the same kind. In other words, Jesus, like he is going to be just like me. As a matter of fact, he's going to remind you of all the things I ever said to you. He's going to bring to your memory all the things I ever said to you. Everything, I've, every benefit I've tried to bring into your life is what he is going to do. So he says, I'm going to bring you another helper. Now, that word helper comes from the word paraclete, which, which has pretty broad connotations to it. But one of the most basic concepts of the paraclete is that he is one called alongside to help. Now, now you, so you just need to start right there going, okay, so then Jesus wants the Holy Spirit to be welcome in my life uh, so that I can have the help that I need. You say, but, but, wait a minute, help at what? Well, help at obeying the commandments. It's like he said, he said, look, if you love me, you'll obey the commandments. And truth is, I'll give, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to help you. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to, to teach you what these look like and when you're walking in love. But I'm also, he's also going to bring the grace of God into your life. You know, we got a fake grace movement out there that, that teaches that grace and mercy is the same thing, that grace and, and graciousness is exactly the same thing, that, that grace and kindness is the same thing. That, you know, and it's like, no, no, these words are not synonyms. They, they have overlapping realities to them, but the truth is the word grace is the word grace, and the word mercy is another word. If they meant the same thing, God would have used the same word. Grace is, is the ability, the strength, the capacity that works in our heart, and that comes by unmerit, unmerited favor. And so the spirit of grace is the spirit, that the Holy Spirit working in us, making us able able to do anything God says we can do, able to be everything God says we can be, every, you know, able, to, able to experience everything that God says is ours. That's what he is helping us. He is helping us. He is empowering us. He is strengthening us. He is leading us. He is opening our understanding so that we can experientially know 
everything that Jesus promised and everything that Jesus delivered by his death, burial, and resurrection. By the way, let me just mention this real quick. Like uh, every time I do a video series, I always create uh, an audio series. And that audio series is usually going to be probably uh, about, uh, about mm, 40 to 60 hours of teaching. Now, uh, even though there's some overlap, it is not just a repetition of what you're learning here. I, on, you know, in these video series, we only have a certain amount of time to do these video sessions. And some people are not interested in going any deeper. Some people feel like, you know, I've already got that. I don't need any more. But many people are saying, you know what? I am a disciple. I am wanting to build my life on this kind of stuff. So we create these audio series for those who want to go deeper. And let me encourage you in this. Money that you spend on these audio series help us take the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's how we finance so much of what we do. So if you're interested, download it tonight, and uh, you, you, will be, you will be jumping way ahead of everything that I'm going to teach you, but it will open up new aspects to it. Now, since the names of God, the names of Jesus, reveal things about the character and the nature and the work of God the Father and God the Son, likewise, names of the Holy Spirit, titles that are given to the Holy Spirit, will describe some of the things that uh, the Holy Spirit will do in our lives. I want to zero in, first and foremost, on the most common name that is related to the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's called the Spirit of God because he manifests uh, God in our heart. He manifests God in our hearts and our understanding. He is called the, really the Spirit of the Lord Jesus because he manifests Jesus, helps us grasp who Jesus is. In other words, there's all kinds of names that relate to what he reveals, what he opens up, but probably the most common name is Holy Spirit. Now, sadly, the word holy or the word holiness, it has become something of a religious nightmare that, uh, uh, that gets into all sorts of sick, religious, corrupted legalism where you're trying to be perfect enough to get accepted from God. That has nothing to do with what the word holy means. The word holy, more than any other word, means to be uncommon. Now, we are called to live a life in Christ that is uncommon. Now, there's also, he is also, by the way, called this, uh, uh, the spirit who sanctifies, just like God is the God of sanctification. Sanctification is where you, is where you move away from something at, for the purpose of being involved with something else. Now, we were called out of the world. We were called out of the world system. We were called to, to really say, you know what? I don't want to think like the world. I don't, I don't want to do things the way the world does things. I want to do things the way God does things because what, how he does things are always based on love. They're not based on greed and selfishness and force and corruption. They're always based on love. And so God has called us out of the world so that we can step over here in this realm that is called, this, you know, the spiritual realm, the body of Christ. We're spiritually baptized in the body of Christ. And in this realm, we get to experience what it's like to have an uncommon life, an uncommonly blessed life, an uncommonly fortunate life, 
an uncommonly healthy life, an uncommonly loving life. In other words, God wants us to have this uncommon life, this holy life, because he is a holy God. He is not like anything out there. He is not like any other God. He's not like any other religion, nothing. And in any ways we try to make him similar to all of these other gods and other religions uh, really just are pretty much either blasphemy or borderline blasphemy. God says, I have called you out. I've called you out of the world. I've called you out of everything about the world so that I could bring you unto myself. And, you know, I'm a holy God and you would be my holy people. You would be uncommon. You would be like nothing in this world. And you would experience a life better than anybody in the world could ever experience it outside of me. Listen, guys, I'm going to be sharing a lot about this in these upcoming messages, but I want you to realize welcoming the Holy Spirit in your life means that you will begin to recognize God shifting you away from how you've made decisions, shifting you away from things that you took part of. And it's not really, you don't feel condemned about it. You're not looking and saying, oh, oh man, I must have been a horrible person. I was no, you realize, no, God realizes I can't hold on to this and have all of this over here in my life. God is a holy God. He wants you to be a holy nation. He wants you to live an uncommonly wonderful life. So listen, be sure and jump back in here with me. And I got another message for you. So walk this one through, work this one through, and I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers Podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.